Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Kings Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KingsCast, like on Facebook, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Kings Cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. Uh, we are coming off of a pretty fun episode, uh, probably about a week and a half ago now, where we brought on KC Yost from the Sacramento Kings bench mob. KC did a great job, came on here. It was real fun to talk to him. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, we also had released that week the Buddy Hilde episode. So if you're missing out on Kings Cast the last couple weeks, go check us out. You can find our entire catalog streaming wherever you find your podcasts. So bringing in my co host today, Ryan, what's good? What's going on? I'm excited to do the pod as usual. Real quick, I haven't done this before, but I promised the guy that I got into it with a little bit uh, that I would give him a shout-out, Vincent Brewer, Sacramento Kings bench mob. Uh, he came with uh, some some stats and opinions and stuff, and we had an exchange. I told him I'd give him a shout-out for the good dialogue. So, um, yeah, if you guys want shout-outs, man, keep interacting with us. We're all over Sacramento Kings bench mob. Um, me and him actually took it into the DMs and talked a little bit. Uh, it was good stuff. Uh, you know, I like to hear other people's opinions and stuff, but we are actually going to talk about um, a little bit about what me and Vincent were talking about. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good pod today. Nice, man. Yeah, that, that's what's been great. You know, you, you drop the guy in there and we try to interact. And that's what's cool about bringing on KC is is that's how we, we found him on the bench mob. And um, it was cool, man. I mean, just a little bit about that episode. We should probably talk about, you know, KC came in and he kind of knew his stuff. And it was it was definitely a, a good conversation all around. And uh, you know, Ryan and I, we've been talking a lot about how, like, for a long time, we were on King's Twitter. King's, King's Twitter kind of sucks. Like, it's pretty much a lot of these these people who are, I don't know what you call them, Ryan, like, like writer guys for these blogs. That's what we call them, right? Yeah. They don't ever want to interact. And if they do, it's, like, condescending. And so that's it's, what's been... It, I, I just look at them as, like, them behind their laptops and that nose just straight up in the air, just, like looking down on, on us as peasants like you don't know what you're talking about and in reality me and you are diehard kings fans and half these guys who write for these programs aren't even kings fans and you some, can yes. tell and you can tell by their takes some of the publications are and some of them they are kings fans but that's what's great about bringing casey on and some of the interactions we've had the last couple of weeks is that you know you can see that uh, plenty of people follow this team real close and know what they're talking about and and I, you know we talked about that with casey's like we don't always agree but you know, it doesn't mean that people aren't knowledgeable. We just have different opinions about what's going on. So I was really impressed with Casey. I'd love to have him back on again. I know you probably feel in the same way. Um, so that, that was great, man. Um, we probably should get into it 
right away, Ryan, because it is kind of going to be a loaded episode today. You know, always we come at, we come at it. You know, off season, I, I say it a lot, right? Off season, it's always like, man, what are we going to talk about? But like, Kings off season is always exciting, right? Tons of chatter because this is it's the hypothetical. It's the what should we do? It's it's we should blow it up. We should we should you know try to win. Everyone's fucking going nuts, right? And there's always hella controversy too. Like we're always getting a new GM. It seems like we're always hiring a new coach. Uh, you know, there's just – it's always – before it was, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and, and him just being disgruntled and stuff. So, Sacramento probably has more of a uh, uh, more public offseason than, like, the regular season. People probably pay more attention, more attention to our disgruntled franchise than uh, they actually do when we're playing actual games. So – with that, Ryan and I thought it would be a great uh, topic to come in here today and really state our case. So if you follow us on social media, you know, Ryan and I have, have kind of started, you know, we're start getting that ball rolling, Ryan. Is that hashtag trade the pick, right? So hashtag we're very, the pick. we've been advocating for the trade the pick for quite some time. And um, there is there is a lot of substance behind that. And we haven't really I mean, we talk about it a little bit. We sprinkle it in some of our episodes. We never have really come in and broken down all aspects of that and why we're such, you know, hashtag trade the fit guys. So today we're going to come at you guys with um, kind of all of our reasons about this offseason. All right. And I'm going to start it off, Ryan. I'm going to bring it in. So we'll get to the trade to the pick a little bit down the line, because like I said, there's a lot of uh, more con- context around that. Right. So. I'll lay the landscape here. If you're following, you know, bench mob, if you're out there on Twitter, if you are listening to whomever, right? There's a lot of different opinions on what direction the Kings should take. Last week, Ryan, when we we talked with KC, I gave him, you know, with the kind of this question. You know, there's three different types of of approaches, right? There's the blow it up and like take on bad contracts for some assets. So shit now, better later, right? There is the try to kind of slightly improve by flipping some of the guys, you know, maybe the buddies, the Harrison Barnes, et cetera, but trying to go that way. Or there's kind of roll out there with the same team that they had this past year, but use the draft pick. So that's kind of the three big ones that people are siding with a huge portion of people and including riders. Uh, are in favor of kind of the blowing it up this year. I think the opinion, you know, Ryan, is that, well, they're not they're not going to make it next year. The Warriors are back, and, and it's like people are already writing the Kings off, which I'm not – we're not saying that the Kings are, like, guarantees by any means, but I think that they could compete for that 7, 8, 9 spot, right, if they do the right things. And, and um, I think for a lot of people, they lean on that optimism of, well, if we're not going to make it this year, we might as well not try – and try to develop for the future. And we don't like that approach. We're very much against that approach. Um, and I think we should probably go into the reasons, right? So I think the number one thing for me, Ryan, is um, I would say there's no guarantees, right? So if you, if you just take the approach of we're not, we're not going to even try to contend this year and we're going to try to dump some stuff, get some bad contracts, whatever, for assets, um, knowing that in a year or two we're going to uh, you know, maybe contend, I would say that's dangerous, right? This is dangerous, and there's no guarantees. What's your thought on that? Okay, so if they were to blow this thing up, okay, I, I honestly I don't really know how that would go because if if, if they were to blow it up, you're still going to have De'Aaron Fox. You're still going to have Marvin Bagley, all right? Uh, you know, my my I just – I don't understand that thought process. Can – 
do you understand what I'm trying to say, Eric? Like, I, I don't understand the thought process of let's blow it up. And who are you, who are you going to blow it up with? What are you going to get rid of? The only thing that me and you have talked about, you know, that, that moving forward, that guys that we want is Marvin Bagley and, and Darren Fox. That's who we think you should build around. So who are they supposed to, who are they supposed to blow it up with? Help me out with this, please. I think that, you know, you, that's where with this crowd, I think that's where you see the, the trade buddy and basically getting, you don't get that equal talent back. You more get like maybe a draft pick or maybe a couple young guys. Okay. That's so can where I go on that point? You, me, can I go in on well, that point right there? Pause real, real quick, quick, real quick though. Al Horford as well. Some of those bigger contracts. The, that's kind of, I think where people are thinking about that. Okay, so if you do something like that, and I'm, that's what I was trying to get to right there. Is, okay, so if you move Buddy and you don't bring somebody back with equal talent, okay, me and you have brought this up multiple times. You're not doing Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley, our two most young, promising, talented guys, any justice. You are not helping them out at all. And, you know, when there's going to come a time where Darren Fox needs to be resigned. And if you're not relevant and you haven't done your part and surrounded him with veteran players who know how to play basketball, he's going to leave. So that's the danger that you run into when you try to rebuild. That's the danger that you're going to go into. Yeah, well, that's exactly what KC said on the last episode that we did with him, right? He said, you don't want to become this place that's so bad that you don't even want the guys to be here. So I think part of the one of the big things that I don't like about the rebuild and accepting not trying next year, because that's that's what I mean, is that some people really believe that they should just not try. They should trade a lot of people. Uh, if you follow Tim Maxwell, so Tim Maxwell is on the Kings Herald. I think he's one of my favorite guys to follow on Twitter because he, he has a lot of great stats, all right? But he's been one of these guys that, that kind of favors this, which is like trade everything, get as many first-round picks, take some bad contracts, whatever. And what I mean by there's no guarantees is that is that is a strategy. You could take some bad contracts on for the next year or two and then get some young picks, but there's no guarantees that those young picks work out, all right? So, um, you know, and I, I'll say this, and it takes too long, man. Well, so, like, when you when you get a bunch of young guys, you've, you've pushed things back four to five years, and that's what you're talking about, about De'Aaron Fox resigning and some of these other guys. Like, it doesn't fall into the timeline of where these guys' trajectory is, and it kind of supports something that you say about you got to support that you support your guys, right? So, me and you, two years ago, this is what me and you wanted them to do. Two right. years ago when De'Aaron Fox was, you know, 20 19. years old, 19 Marvin Bagley's like rookie year and stuff before they drafted him. This is where we wanted the franchise to go. You know, we said, okay, Darren Fox is going to be here for four years. Okay. You can go, you know, trade these guys. You can try to get young picks and build around Darren Fox. The first year with buddy healed Marvin Bagley. Okay. The problem is Sacramento went and messed up all those draft picks. Okay, so you guys, you guys are talking about Sacramento did this at one point. They did this. They went and tried to – they did this, and they tried to – that year that they drafted Papianis, Justin Jackson, Scalabissier, they effed it up already. So they've already proven that they can't do this, and that's what Eric's talking about, that you can't – not everything's guaranteed. Go ahead, Eric. I know you're itching for this one. So, okay, so, so for, yeah, you talk about that, but, like, I was, I'll say this. A team that did it right – was the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, so the Memphis Grizzlies, um, they they got – you remember when they got Andre Iguodala? They took on his bad contract for money. That's kind of yeah, – that was kind of that strategy. Year. 
you know, and so they end up trading him and getting Justice Winslow now. Now they, they have a guy, you know. So so there there is that strategy where you can take on bad contracts and then, you know, use the picks. The Philadelphia 76ers kind of did this when they did it to the Kings, if you remember. That that big old trade with Stauskas and all that. Stauskas, so the, yeah. that, tr- that, that, that one is there. But like you're saying, I'm so against like – taking on bad contracts for picks because like I said, it takes too long. It pushes things out four to five years, but then it's, it's too risky and it might not work out. So I, w- I wanted to reference it, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I haven't really brought this up on the podcast, but if you remember Ryan, like two seasons ago, I got the NBC authentic fan of the year. So I was the Kings fan of the year. So, you know, shout out to me. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're all you guys. I'm a super fan. No. So, I, you know, NBC authentic fan of the year. And I got to go down to the set and get a bunch of shit, go to a game, you know, be recognized for all that. But they gave me a five foot by three foot. It's a massive poster of the entire Kings lineup, including Dave Yeager that year, all autographed. So, if you know, the authentic fans signs you get to the games, they put the whole roster together, framed it, gave it to me. And it's a real cool piece. It hangs right in my office. I look at it every day. But that, that freaking thing, man, is full of the youngest, you know, potential guys on there. You have Giles. You have Willie. You have Fox. You have Bagley. You have Bogey. Um, I want to say Justin Jackson's on there. Um, mm-hmm. Did I say Giles? I probably said Giles. You know, there's like Giles, a lot. Yeah. Scal, Scal maybe on there. I don't even. There's so many young Scal, guys, right? Frank, Frank Mason's on it, I Frank think. Frank Mason, right? And so, yeah. you know, remember the narrative around that time, Ryan? Oh, this is just a super team. It's just young. Uh uh what yeah, you that know that was a real thing that was a real thing uh, but that was a real thing man and, and that's an example of like you can have all the first round picks that you want but more than likely only a couple of them work out right like how many picks did the 76ers have back in the day in the top 10 right you know they so- they drafted ben simmons joel and b nerlens noel jaleel okafor dario saric you know Markel faults Markel Fultz. So you went two for six right there. Yeah, it's just it's too risky. And then if it happens, it takes too long, and you end up having to trade for stuff anyway. Yeah, they went you know two what? for six, and 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 a couple of those were the number one pick. They all, you know, and Bede I think was three. Simmons won. Fultz won. Uh, Jaleel Okafor was like two or something like that. It was like so you're talking about guys top five. We're talking about we have picks like number twelve. Yeah, yeah. So it's too it's too risky to lean on that. And you know, I think that. It's a season by season thing. Uh, you know, I'm in favor of drafting young guys because they are cheap talent that can fill out back ends of your bench and you can have them on there for a couple of years. But when you're a bad team and you need, you need every player on your roster, you can't do that, right? And so that's why, like, I guess this year, Ryan, I'm such a trade-to-pick guy is because the Kings are in a position where they, they are better off packaging a player on the roster and going and getting someone to add to, to basically be in their starting lineup. I think that's why over the last couple of weeks, we've become more interested in Miles Turner. You dropped a good one uh, uh, about, you know, a lot of people would hate on you for this, but Corey Joseph in the first round pick for Miles Turner, you've talked about this, right? Yeah. Um, so that, so, so my thought process, and that's what I got into the vent with me and Vincent Brewer talked about. And what people got to understand, you know, he, he said to me, he goes, and I'm glad he said this. He goes, well, Miles Turner's just—he's just Brooke Lopez. Yeah, he is, but he's a better shot blocker. He's a little bit of a better rebounder. And Miles Turner's twenty-five years old, twenty-four, twenty-four, twenty-four years old. Okay, so so take this. And the whole point of you know adding Corey Joseph in that is we got to pay Corey Joseph twelve million next year. Over the next three seasons, Miles Turner is making eighteen million flat for the next three seasons. Okay, so essentially you're trading this number twelve pick 
and a guy who, in my opinion, is a bottom third player in the NBA. Okay. I, I, I don't think Corey Joseph is, I think he's a borderline NBA player. I really do at this point in his career. I think he's borderline NBA player. So you're, you're packaging that together for an $18 million. So you're, you're coming up with Miles Turner for pretty much $6 million. That's what you're doing. You're pretty much paying him $6 million next year if you get rid of Corey Joseph's contract. And to me, that's very valuable. Okay, he's a he's a good three point shooter. I think he shot 32 to 33 percent. That's decent for a seven footer. He's one of the best rim protectors in the game. Okay, he's young. That's what Sacramento is missing. Sacramento needs a piece like that to put into their starting lineup. And that's a for sure thing. And people are going to sit here and tell me, hey, you know, Miles Turner really hasn't gotten better. Okay, he hasn't gotten better since he's been in the league. Yeah, maybe that's part of Indiana, but, you know, 13 points a game, seven rebounds and two blocks is pretty damn good in the NBA. And I think next to Marvin Bagley and Darren Fox, young pieces moving forward, you know, you, when you have three guys under the age of 25 like that, that's a good start. I was looking. Miles Turner was drafted number 11th in the draft. Okay, yeah. so close to where the Kings are picking this year. And, and, and use him as an example. I, I've said it for forever. This is a, something I totally – since the one and done's, Guys are coming into the league not ready, and especially big men. I learned my lesson, Ryan, on DeMarcus Cousins' rookie year. I was at Arco Arena, and I was sitting baseline in the corner, okay? And I, they were playing the Clippers. And Chris Kamen oh, was old. He was older then. Chris Kamen was older, right? And Boogie was talented. He bullied him. He bullied the shit out of him. And Boogie's big. Boogie was a big down-low player who ended up getting crazy rebounders you know, in his career. And he just got bullied. That's what happens when you're a big man and you, and you come into the NBA at a young age, you get bullied, you get physically moved. It just happens. And so I think that when I say that it takes three to five years to develop, I think three years for the younger guards, because they can use their quickness athleticism to get to the hoop. But still, even those guys take such a long time to develop that shot, right? Which you could probably talk more on, right? But the big guys, they get their bread and butter by banging, position, rebounding, putbacks, you know, all those types of things. And it takes a long time. So this guy's 24. I think now is where Miles Turner is going to take that next little step. And then there he is, right? Um, It's just better. It's just better value. And I guess, you know, overall is I just don't see the Kings getting someone who's going to do anything this next year in the lineup. And I think a lot of people are okay with that. They're okay with him not doing anything in life because they don't think we're going to do anything anyway. But I want to move on to one of our the big things about this, Ryan, is, is like we talked about early on and we talked about with KC last week. There's something to to uh getting better every year right not worse every year there's something to that especially when your franchise that's been poo-poo for 15 years right so you know you and i were talking last week and i was telling everybody you know i'm a a massive tampa bay buccaneers fan like the biggest you know i love the bucks more than the kings i'm just gonna say that it was the kings cats but (laughs) i freaking love the bucks man i love them and they've been just as bad about the same time about 06 07 you know for the bucks being bad and and all this year, if you guys are football fans and you're watching, one thing they did is they just they're just going in, they're going hard because they need to get the stank of the franchise off them. And once they did, once they got Brady and they got talent, look what's happened. They get Fournette, they get Antonio Brown, they get Gronk coming out of a retirement. You know, they get Andomic uh, and Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul, former All Pro type of players, to stick around lower. That's what happens. So when you get a little bit better and you you get the stink off your franchise, look at the Cleveland Browns too. Another example in in football, you get the stink off your franchise, it changes the perception of your franchise. When you're a franchise like the Kings, 
who every two to three years you're firing people. Every time someone gets traded there, it doesn't work out, and then they leave like Rudy Gay, and they talk shit, and they call it a basketball wasteland and whatever they call it, right? It creates that perception. you got to get the stink off of you, right? And so if you do this where you, you tank this year and you finish like 11th, you know, or whatever, um, that's not going to be good because you know what's going to happen? Luke, Luke Walton's going to get fired. A whole new coaching staff's going to get fired. A whole new people are going to get brought in. It's going to stunt the development of the players that you do have. I talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? And it, it's just that perception of your franchise is you guys stank with a, with a big A in the middle, right? And then how's that look to De'Aaron Fox, guys? Our, our number one asset and a guy that we really think can be the number one point guard in the league. Right. Like I said earlier of, you know, you keep losing like this and, and you try to dump everything. Eventually you have to win. Eventually Darren Fox is going to be like, Hey, I'm out. And that's just, that's, that's my biggest, you know, that's my biggest thing about this whole, you know, tear it down stuff. It should have happened two years ago. It's too late now. Now you move forward with these young athletic pieces that you do have. Now, one thing Ryan and I will say is it's a fine line here. You know, and I don't know how we're doing just, just breaking this down, Ryan, but like it's a fine line because we don't feel that they should mortgage any type of future to try to to try to win and compete in the next year or two, right? And we don't think they should trade a bunch of picks to get a much that's not what we're saying. What we're just saying is convert one or two guys into starters by packaging them with a the draft pick. That's why we're such keep 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 buddy, right? Let bogey walk. Send, send Kojo on his way with a draft pick, you know, and Ryan's even talked about maybe Harrison Barnes as well. Maybe you send Harrison Barnes in a draft pick and relieve the contract. Then it may allow you to sign Giles. And, and then if, if they do well, end up signing, uh, well, but, you know, they, there's a lot of options, right? So, I, so me and you talked about this yesterday. Nobody ever talks about this. You know, people, me and Eric love Buddy Heald. Okay. There's a lot of people who Buddy, you know, when it comes down to a Buddy is better than Bogey. He is. Okay, he's a he's a better basketball player than Bogdanovich. But for some reason, everybody loves Bogdanovich, which, okay, whatever. You can't have them both and Harrison Barnes. But for all you people who love Bogdanovich, the only way that I'm in favor of keeping Bogey is if you move the Harrison Barnes contract. That's it. So for all you guys that want to keep Bogey, that's your option right there. Trade the pick in Harrison Barnes, you know, and keep Bogey or trade the pick in Kojo, let Bogey walk and bring somebody in. That's your only, that's your really your only options to be successful. It really is. So yeah, pack. That's what we're saying. Package the pick with a player. And I think one thing too, is that I wanted to address Ryan is if you look at the Kings roster right now, there, there are three guys, four guys really who get, who have got heavy minutes this past year who are, in my opinion, not starters in the NBA for, well, I wouldn't say not starters. They're fringe starters. Some of them. And I think one of the big problems for the Kings over the past bunch of years is that they insert guys into the starting lineup who are fringe starters or shouldn't be starting, right? So I'll say Bielisa start has started a lot of games over the last two years. Rashawn Holmes, Bogey, and Corey Joseph. Those four guys have gotten a lot of minutes heavy in the rotation. And a lot of people cite reasons for not getting a Miles Turner or whomever because, oh, well, we already have Rashawn Holmes or we already have player this, that, right? My thing is, is that if you trade one of those guys and get back just a, a good starter, I mean, Miles Turner would be the fourth best player, maybe fifth best player in the starting lineup, right? Yeah. It's, it, pushes, it pushes Holmes and Bielisa. It pushes these guys to the second unit, and it strengthens your team overall. You know, yep. one of my big problems with the Kings is that they have no versatility in lineups. I would say in the NBA, NBA is a matchup game, and you're playing tons of games a week, right? 
one thing you have to be able to do is you have to be roll out there with the different versatile styles of lineups. Only the good teams, the really, really premier teams, can go out there day, day after day after day after day with the same lineup and just dominate, right? When you're, when you're a team like the Kings, you have to be savvy in your ability to match up. You have to be able to one night play Barnes at the four and bring a guy in, you know, or you have to be able to go big. You have to be able to do that. When, you ha- when you're just light and you're moving your bench players into the starting lineup and you get a bad matchup, you're toast. You're done. I say, anybody, go back and look in de- past December against the Portland Trailblazers. There was a game in there where a lot of people, but Buddy was hurt. A lot of people were hurt. Bogey gets I don't even Bogey played. I don't remember the whole situation, yeah, but it was Bogey played like 38 minutes, I believe. I remember it was just, that stat. I, I don't remember the whole situation. It was one of those games where they just couldn't match up that game. They were done because they had put all their strength into the starting lineup, and then they they rounded out four spots in the bench for you know Yogi Farrell and all these other guys who you can't trust to put out there. So I think a big thing too, Ryan, if you trade that pick, you're you're just getting more quality starters and you're moving guys who started last year down to the bench. I think that's going to help you just win a couple more games and withstand potential injuries, right? So we talk about a, um, we talk about a rookie. If we bring a rookie in, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to factor him in like that, right? I mean, I know you got your feelings towards rookies and in, in, in how maybe they're not as – we were talking about this, right? You think that maybe they're not as – quality as, as people think you know because of their in college maybe inflated stats or however yeah so people have this idea okay i've been seeing a lot of three and d we need to go get this three and d guy okay <coughs> sorry and so i just want to point this out for people okay in college basketball guys aren't manning up i don't know if you guys watch any type of college basketball but you go watch a tournament guys aren't manning up these dudes are playing like a two three or a three two whatever the hell they're doing Okay, and guys are getting wide open shots in the corner, all right? Just a little stat for you. Lonzo Ball, his one year in college, 41% three-point shooter, okay? His first year in the NBA, 30%. 30%, that's crazy. Okay, so for guys that think they're going to come out and, oh, they'll be able to shoot threes. No, not a lot of guys can, okay? Not a lot of guys can come in the NBA, have the quick enough release, have the poise, and be able to shoot with a hand in their face, okay? It's a different game. So, guy, you know, now look at Lonzo Ball. I, I, I want to say Lonzo Ball's bumped it up like 5, 5% since he's come in the NBA. It takes time, okay? It does take time for guys to be able to shoot and to guys that get adjusted. And Eric said it before. When you're 19, when you're 18, your body's not ready, okay? That's why I believe, like, the Marvin Bagley thing, how Marvin Bagley's gotten injured the last few years. I think his body just wasn't ready. Dude was a kid. He was, he was, came in the NBA as an 18, 19 year old who was skinny and just his body couldn't handle the, the, the punishment that it takes to play every night in the NBA against a 250 pound man. Okay. So it takes these young guys a few years. So for people to say, you know, oh, we need to go get this three and D guy now who, you know, he can come in and fit the roster perfectly. I'm telling you right now, whoever the Kings draft, the guy's not coming in and he's not coming in and playing. He's not. You know, only only those elite guys, there is those guys who come in and play right away and make impacts, but there's not a lot of them. Eric is a big fan of a guy, OG Anunby. Okay, OG Anunby, coming out of college, was a 3 and D, athletic. Okay, he played for Indiana. People thought that he was going to be, you know, this, this great player. So OJ Anubi now, like year five, is finally starting to take that step to where he's hitting corner threes. He's playing that defense. He's a big body starting to impact. So, like, for me, that's what I use as an example. It's like, that's what you're getting 
when you draft number 12 this year, if you guys get a three and D guy, that that's the kind of thing that you're, you're just gonna have to wait a few years. And honestly, dude, OG Anubi is like a, a good example. That guy's like six, six, six seven, two forty. He's yeah. freaking huge, dude. Yeah. He's a, he's a good example. That's a guy who's more physically ready. So that's, that's kind of what, that's where I'm at is, is, is that. It is takes that time, they, man. They, it takes Casey, time. Casey made a good point last week about how, the Kings were only, you know, I, I haven't really, I don't remember the final standings, you know, especially with the bubble and stuff. He said they were only three games out, right? And if you look back to the Kings last year, end of November, or basically November in December, they weren't, they were bad because of the injuries. They were really bad. They had like, they lost a lot of games. If you go look at the breakdown, right? Um, the second half of the season, I don't think it was a reflection. A lot of people like to credit the second half of the season's record, like on the lineups and stuff. I think that had more to do with, with them being healthy and with them, you know, ridding themselves of Deadman and Ariza. Right. So I really think, um, the Kings, as far as, uh, where they are, you know, compared to the rest of the teams in the, in the Western conference, I think it's more of that second half, you know, I really do. And especially I'll stand by that even more firm if they roll out there with a pretty competitive team, um, you know, at the, at the start of this year, I think one thing too, Ryan, that you and I've had discussions on with people in the, on, in some of the chats is people aren't factoring. People just think that they're just dismissing Marvin Bagley and Darren Fox's input impact. So one of the things people say is, well, the Kings can't be good next year. I'm like, well, why not? Like, Darren Fox second half of the year was a dude in the bubble. He was a dude and Bagley hasn't and, and Bagley hasn't really played as much as because of injuries. And, and like, I'm not going to give up on that. He's super young, man. I mean, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, look at him. That guy had foot injuries and all kinds of shit happened his first couple of years and the 76ers sucked just the same. Right. Yeah. A lot of Amari Stoudemire got her back in the day. You know, yep. a lot of I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, uh, this is totally off the top of my head, but a lot of guys, Blake Griffin, he missed his entire first year yep. dealt with injuries, right? This is, like I said, there's a lot of cases like this where really early in guys' career, this has happened to them, right? It doesn't mean you write them off. Like, I'm going to anticipate that they are going to make that impact. So I'm going to factor in Deer and Fox as a dude and, and, and be able to go out there and win games. I'm going to factor Bagley as a guy who's going to go in there and contribute to a starting lineup. I'm going to factor Buddy Hill as a contributor. Barnes is a contributor. That's I'm going to factor all that in. So when you're thinking about, like, they're not going to win next year, well, I get they may not be as good as, you know, some of the middle-tier teams, but why can't they compete with the Trailblazers? Why can't yeah. they compete with the Phoenix Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Pelicans? Why, why not? Yeah, a lot of people point to, uh, you know, well, there's a lot of what-ifs there, Eric. There, there's a lot of what-ifs. Well, you know, I, I, I would take my chances with that with guys that I already know that can play in the NBA than taking a risk on an 18- or 19-year-old to come in, right? I'm telling you right now, for people who keep hating on Marvin Bagley, dude, I really believe Marvin Bagley is going to be the second-best player in the, on our team next year. He is. You know, granted, he doesn't tear his ACL and have some crazy, you know, but that can happen to anybody. I think the guys just had a kind of a string of bad luck, okay? And they've been super cautious with him, too. They, they have. They have. They've been super cautious with him. But Marvin Bagley has the talent, okay? Marvin, I, that's where me and Eric are trying to tell, you know, we're trying to make our point on is have faith on the guys that are here, okay? Sacramento's drafted horrible, but they got lucky getting Fox and Bagley. As much as people, oh, we could have Luke and what? We're not sorry. Okay, that's not where we're at no more. We have Marvin Bagley. Okay, and I really 
really do believe that Marvin Bagley is going to be an impact player for Sacramento next year. Okay. So people just, you know, just let those guys have some faith in what's here, man. There is some talent here. There really is. You know, you know, guys, Marvin Bagley, his rookie year, I, I'm pulling up the stats right now. 14 and seven. He's 14 and 7.6. And and he only started four games. That's 62 games played. That's in 25 minutes. That's the same stats as Rashawn Holmes. No, Rashawn Holmes has less than that. Really? Yeah. Let me bring up up Rashawn Holmes' stats. And he he mirrored the stats in the second year. And and just the 13 games, 14.2 and 7.5 in 25 minutes. So we know know that Marvin Bagley is at least 15 and and 7.5. We know that. We know that right away. So he's Holmes 12, 12 and 8 last year. There, in 44 crazy. games. In 44 games, though. It's not like, you know, like it. Yeah, cool. The year it's before, crazy. the year before, 17 games, and he averaged 8.2 the year before. It's just crazy. It's crazy that people don't have given up on him and, and dismissed him. But, but I, I don't know, Ryan. So I guess. Overall, we should probably summarize where we're at. I know that today was kind of like a little bit here, a little bit there. And a lot of this, why I wanted to do this episode was just to address our thoughts, right? Is address our thoughts on like what really they should do. So for me, I'll speak for myself, Ryan. I think we've talked, we know Buddy Hill. You guys go listen to our shit. You know, you know how we feel about Buddy Hill, right? So I'm not going to address all those players. Package the pick with, with Joseph, ideally is what I like to see, or Bielisa, and go get a starter and push some of those starters from last year down into the bench. Then you go sign a better backup point guard that can actually, you know, it's not a huge drop off, you know, when, when, when De'Aaron Fox is not in the game and fill your roster out with just a, a couple minimal deals and just go out there next year and compete, go out there next year and compete. And, and if you're, if you're fringe, if you miss the playoffs by a game or whatever, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's just fine. You competed. You got better. You showed promise. You're not in a shit cap situation. You still have your draft pick for next year. Next year, then we can look at it. At, okay, maybe draft the guy next year and stash him for a couple years. We don't need him as much because we addressed all that this year, right? Just clean this team up right now. A, a, a rookie, to me, is not going to do anything. Clean this team up right now. And people want to say, like, I know Cowbell Kingdom has gone against me on this. Uh, Miles Turner is going to cause the the cap situation. I don't. Maybe next year, okay. Maybe next year it's a little tight, but in t- in two years, next off season, when we're looking to potentially offload a Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe at the deadline we to offload a Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. it, it'll all be well, right? It'll all be well. So I, I just think that it, in short term, yes, you can get yourself in a little bit of a sticky situation in the next year. By locking, but you don't want to lock up guys more than one year. That's why we're so such against the Bogdanoviches and, and stuff like that, right? Um, well, that's and, that's and, good to point out real quick. Sorry, that that's good to point out is that we're against the paying the Bogdanovich thing. All of our scenarios are based off what Sacramento should do with Bogdanovich. We've mapped it out for you for the last year. All right, Bogdanovich. You know, you, you can't have Miles Turner, Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, Corey Joseph, and these guys and Buddy all on the same roster. Okay, so there has to be some – got to get rid of Corey Joseph or Harrison Barnes. Um, you get rid of Harrison Barnes, then you could keep Bogey and Miles Turner. So that's a – there's – you know, you just got to look at it like, that way. We're not saying keep every – somebody's going to have to get moved. Uh, and we're just throwing out scenarios for you to bring – you know, to bring Miles Turner in. And it's – I think in the next couple weeks, Ryan, we'll take a harder look at the realistic free agent options. There are some wings out there, you know, that, that the Kings could fill in. 
you know, like Mo Harkless is out there available. Like just random guys like that. There's some guys out there who you can, you can bring in. They can play off the bench. They can start. Like you, Wesley, you can Wesley fit, Matthews. Yeah, a defend the defend. Yeah, defensive. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the top defenders. Yeah, there's just a lot of options. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I think I think that we need to hold the brakes, guys. If you agree, let's see a hashtag trade the pick, um, because. I just want to know. And if you, if you guys just have any thoughts on this, like let us know. But if you are against Marvin Bagley, you're about to catch that heat from me and Ryan. If you're against Bagley, if you want to blow it up, if you want to trade Bagley and all this for fucking nothing, I don't know, Ryan. I think we're going to have to come at people. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if Sacramento does keep their first-round pick and they do draft somebody and that guy sits and, you know, barely plays, all right, if that guy plays like less than 10 minutes a game, and, uh, you know, Sacramento, you know, isn't very good. I'm going to bring up this podcast again because me and Eric are those guys, <laughs> dude. We keep – we Eric has tweets from, like, years ago from, like, sports writers and stuff. And uh, I, I think Eric is, – is it – don't you – isn't it James Ham who said something? You kept that tweet about the Rashawn Holmes being untouchable. Is oh, that no, who Matt did George. that? Matt George. Oh, Matt George. Yeah. So, yeah. we will bring it up, guys. This podcast, we're not <laughs> stopping. Okay? This is not something that we're just going to give up on. Me and Eric do it for fun. We don't really care who – you know, how many people that we have listening. I mean, we do, but we're, this is fun for us. So we will bring this up. Trust me. And if, if you, if you think that, uh, you know, we're not going to remember, trust me, we will, we keep everything. Yeah. And, and again, that goes back to Ryan. like, you can have your pins and, and you could be wrong. We'll be wrong. But if we're wrong, Ryan, we will come on King's we'll cast know. and say, I fucked up. You know, a guy I was, I was Bielisa. I hate, I hated on that dude, but coming into this year, I said, I fucked up. The guy's not making that much money. He, yeah. he he's kind of fit into his role. Like I'll apologize if need be that, that that's we're okay with that. So, yeah. um, like we said, Ryan, the off season's exciting, dude, a new, new front office, some new coaches, new direction. Things are going to shake up guys and let's see what happens. And I really think that the Kings are going to try to win and not lose. I don't think, I don't think new people are going to come in and try to lose. So, no. um, Hey guys, we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, if you have a trash take of the week, please nominate it by tagging us. If you have anything you ever read on the show, or you just want to shout out like Ryan gave one today, just, just let us know. And you, and you guys got it. All right. So, uh, that includes just interacting with us. If you drop a good take, Ryan, I think I'm going to start adding a new segment. The next, next episode, we'll do a bench mob take of the week. So if we see something really solid on there or a good interaction, we'll make sure to bring it up and start bringing it up each episode. So uh, definitely feel free to get, get interact and, and get on the show with us. Um, so uh, basically we're on Twitter, Ryan, we're on Kings at Kings cast, Eric at Kings cast, Ryan uh, on, like I said, a second Kings bench mob Facebook group in the comments. And if you ever want to stay up to date with the podcast, you can check us out at our main account at Kings cast. So with that for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kangs. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.